Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. on YouTube, then you know that I am not in my regular studio. Uh, the audio is probably also not ideal. I am currently in Queens, New York. I'm cat-sitting for my friend Miao Wang, who's a very talented filmmaker. She made two beautiful movies. One is called uh, Beijing Taxi. The other is called Mainland. I really strongly recommend both films. She is in Costa Rica with her boyfriend, and I am here cat-sitting for Sid, Sid the cat, who barfed on a shaggy carpet this morning. I mean, talk about the worst place to vomit. And that's where he decided to vomit today, on a shaggy carpet. There's no way in hell you can clean that up. You have to throw away that carpet. And you have to get a whole new shaggy carpet. Why Why even have a shaggy carpet if you have a pet? I mean, there's no way you're going to get all those... Ugh, I'm not even going to go into it. It's just too disgusting. Uh, but I love her apartment. It's really beautiful. She moved to Jackson Heights, left Brooklyn, came to Queens, bought a car... I mean, she's living the middle-aged New Yorker's dream, right? It's a bit of a kismet that I am currently in Queens because my uh, my film was picture-locked as of last Tuesday. And I brought my... Sorry, that's the cat. Sid, go away. Go away. I sent the audio to my sound mixer. I brought the hard drive to the colorist who is actually based in Queens. Um, and you know, I, I'm very proud to say that everybody who worked on my film are women of color. And the majority of them just so happen to be Asian women. So I'm very proud of that. I think that's something that I want to celebrate. And I'm also proud of myself for making this movie. You know, it's AAPI Heritage Month, and the film that I made is about a Japanese-American emigre and a small business owner. He was born in the 1920s. He's owned his own auto shop since the 1960s. He's been working at that auto shop since the 1940s. He is a remarkable subject, and I had such a a great time interviewing him and making this movie and the film is uh, it's a short film and it only took me five years to make so there you go for all you future documentarians it is gonna be a long and arduous journey uh, you will not get funding you will not get a great deal of support because we live in America but you know what at the end of the day, it's your movie. It's something for you to be proud of. And I'm here in Queens celebrating picture lock, celebrating the fact that I handed in my dissertation uh, and doing comedy. I honestly, I haven't done a whole lot of resting the last couple of months. I realize that I've been working every single day nonstop. And, you know, the work is just is still piling on. Like today's Sunday. It's Mother's Day. 
Oh, happy Mother's Day to all you listeners who happen to be mothers. Uh, For the rest of you, um, for the people who probably have issues with their mothers, I can tell you right now that I understand how you feel. Uh, A friend of mine, Marnie Lifton, she's a comedian. She's also a very talented writer. She published a really uh, lovely essay the other day. I think it's called like the Bad Moms Club or something like that. And it's basically, um, it's a short essay about her relationship, her contentious relationship with her mother. And, you know, it's a very honest, raw, open essay about the complicated feelings and struggles that a person has as a child when they don't have a good relationship with their mother or a non-existent relationship with their mother, right? It's a very difficult choice to make to have to take distance with your own parent, right? Um, And that's a feeling I genuinely understand and for all of you who feel uncomfortable by these kinds of days like Mother's Day and Father's Day, I'll let you know right now that I understand how you feel and there is no pressure at all for you to ever have to force reconciliation when you are not ready or if you never ever want to, right? I mean, that's you have your reasons and those reasons are valid. So I want to... Um, recognize and uplift those people who happen to have made the difficult choice to to take distance from their family members um it's it's a very hard thing to live with i think in our society that's constantly pressuring us to uh, have a nuclear family kind of existence um, moving on from that, the, f- the, the show that I'm going to talk about today is called Personal Taste. It is a 2010 NBC drama. It stars Yi Min-ho and Son Ye-jin. And it's, it's a very uh, strange kind of show. So Yi Min-ho is this architect. Um, he's a straight cis male. But Son Ye-jin, who plays a woman named Ke-in, which I... I suppose it's this kind of play on words of some sort with her name to suggest the gayness or the LGBT theme of the show. It's very shallow and bizarre. But Kein is the woman played by Sun Yejin. She's a female protagonist. And um, she is, I don't know, she somehow suspects that Yi Minho is gay. Like, she overhears Yi Min-ho having um, a struggling conversation with another man in the other room, and she assumes that they're having sex, and then she just thinks that they're gay. Um, but Yi Min-ho doesn't correct her. He never corrects her and says, I am not gay. He just kind of plays along with it. And uh, actually, there is a gay character in this show. He happens to be a very wealthy man, but a closet gay. When he overhears that the Yi Minho character might be a gay man, he decides to open up and, you know, share his feelings for him. And then Yi Minho makes this very difficult decision again to whether, you know, is he going to play along with it or is he going to correct them and say, I'm not gay. I'm sorry for misleading you. So in terms of LGBTQIA thematics, uh, there is some something going on on this show. But would I say that this is the ideal portrayal of 
queerness, not necessarily, right? I mean, there are problems there. Um, but I, I do think that for a 2010 show, uh, this was kind of leaning towards a progressive effort. Um, unfortunately, you know, it, it, the ending is very hetero. Um, the gay man does not get love, right? Yimin who rejects him because he's not gay. And then somehow, for some weird reason, the gay man who was rejected decides to help Son Yejin's character, Kein, how to get the love of this other man, of Yimin Ho, the man that he has a crush on. It's, it's like it's like, why would he do that? He has no reason to do that, right? So in that regard, you see the problems with a straight person writing. Uh, this kind of script or not even maybe it's not maybe they're not even straight who knows maybe they are gay but it's like it's not helping the gay cause if you deny the gay character of any love right I mean that just happens to be the trope that happens to be the pattern in uh, television programs or movies uh, that come from a place or an era where progressiveness in regards to LGBTQIA is not fully there so i'll just say that it's it's not necessarily good nor is it necessarily bad i will just say it's kind of a lukewarm progressive leaning kind of show but it doesn't necessarily uh do a great deal for the lgbtqia cause uh today's guest is moni zhang she is a comedian from Wuhan, China originally, but she is based in Berlin. That is where she lives and works. That is where she performs comedy. She is the host of her own podcast called It's Mental, and she does some clubhouse things. I I don't know exactly what her clubhouse situation is like, but she does host clubhouse sort of rooms in regards to like mental illness and trauma and comedy and therapy. I had a really lovely time talking to Moni and I think you'll enjoy our conversation as well. So let's get into it. Are you working right now? I heard like you were not working at the moment. Yeah, I'm not. I uh, I got depressed uh, end of last year. So thanks to German healthcare, now I'm getting paid uh, for taking a break. That's great. Yeah. Were you depressed because of just isolation and stuff? Uh, I think uh, there's, uh, there are some triggers of it, I, but I think the fundamental reason is that I really don't like what I do. And uh, okay. the society around me, my cultural background, forced me to believe uh, I, I like this corporate, highly paid job, but yeah, yeah. I just not like it. And it's kind of not like now I came out of closet from that's great my professional life yeah 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 well I I like that because a lot of people are afraid to make that choice or they're even they don't even know that they have a choice to stop yeah what were you what was your job I uh, I work for some corporates uh, to analyze their data oh my god that sounds horrible yeah like like the the thing is I think I'm lucky because mm. there are lots of people probably they work for their whole life. They don't know, mm. uh, feeling uh, so consumed every day, never feel uh, engaged or creative at work. It's not healthy 
nor normal because they never experienced anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I don't think、um, a lot of people know what it is that they need sometimes, you know, and、um, figuring that out it takes a lot of self work. <laughs> yeah, but okay. So all right. So you put that behind you because it's making you unhappy. And right now you're taking a break, you're sort of re- recharging, rejuvenating. What are you doing? Now I'm、break? just、uh, learning a lot of of Deutsch. I just、okay. uh, pass B one, and my、oh. my goal is to pass C one this year. Great. And then I can I'm free of learning German in my life. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you like Germany? Do you? Do you see yourself living in Berlin for as far as you can see? No, like、uh, I want to become German. I want to get my German passport. I、okay. I still have、uh, around two years to go.、Mm. Uh, after that, I want to travel. I want to see different parts of the world. But bef- I want to get my passport first. Okay. All right. Great. So you have a plan. You have a plan to become German. German.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. You're actually from Wuhan, China, right? Yes, that is yeah. true. Yeah. It's not a fun、yeah. town. We have、okay. like eleven million、okay. people there. It's huge.、Um, yeah, it's it's really really huge. And uh, uh, how to?、Uh, I don't want to get attacked, but、yeah. it's really a place.、Um, n- no normal people. Uh, would say, oh, that's a nice place. I want to move there.、Oh. Uh, it's it's really really cold in winter. It's really really hot in summer,、mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it's、uh, very flat, very 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 crowded.、Um, yeah, it sounds so, like New York like City, New York like eleven million people. Very cold in the winter. Very hot in the summer. Very very crowded. That's like New York. <laughs> <laughs> but but not so fancy like in New York. There's not so much cultured stuff going on, and、uh, there's no heating. There's no heating. All right. Okay. No heat. Yeah. So people just have to build endurance. Yeah. In in winter, like we know,、oh, sometimes we would go outside to get warmth. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. indoor is colder than outdoor. Oh wow. Okay. Is it like so cold that like if you leave a glass of water out in your room, it'll freeze? Uh, that wouldn't. Like it's、uh, oh, around the、okay. zero degrees, but it's so cold and it's so humid because we are right on the Yangtze River. So the、okay. city is、uh, cut through by Yangtze River.、Oh. It's so humid in in winter, and、uh, you just feel like the the cold goes to your bone. I I don't know. I I never experienced that kind of coldness、uh, in Europe. But it's it's really horrible. It like feels like a thousand needles like punching your bone. That makes sense. It's like the humidity freezes and then attacks you in the skin. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that sounds intense. But what do you mean by it's not cultured? Ah,、uh, it is cultured actually. Like we have lots of universities, lots of stuff、yeah. going on. Yeah. But.、Um, Uh, I don't want to elaborate、uh, too much. I I'm afraid of getting attacked. I I think Wuhan is not has its good part, 
but uh, um, people there are very very grumpy. Like you know, during cold, <laughs> like our city is famous for people being rude and angry all the time. And you know,、mm. during COVID,、uh, they look、uh, people、uh, up for so long. I saw a video. There's、uh, like in those kind of uh, uh, tall buildings. There's、yeah. a woman. She opened her window and shouting outside, say, "Please come out!、Uh, argue with me. I haven't argued for so long. I cannot tolerate anymore."、Wow. Then people all open their window and start to insult each other from their windows. That sounds amazing. I actually love that. She's she she's reaching out, right? She's reaching out. She's saying, "I can't stand this. It's driving me insane." So she's reaching out. She's expressing anger and ire, but not directed at anybody specifically with any specific kind of complaint. She's just screaming, and then she's giving everybody else in her neighborhood permission to also express what she's feeling, and it's like a symphony of just, you know, release. I think that's <laughs> beautiful. I think that's better. Than what a typical white American would do, and just grab a gun and go shoot up a supermarket. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, you know, Grace. Like, um, um, people always say that I have bad temper because I I start to yell at the people rather easily. <laughs> But then I went back to Wuhan to visit, and I was sitting on the street,、uh, waiting for my friends. Yeah, I was sitting there for twenty minutes. Then I realized. God, I'm normal here because I was sitting there for twenty minutes, and、uh, I saw like ten groups were yelling to each other. Like it's、yeah. just normal. Like we do it all the time. Like everyone yelling at everyone. But yelling like ang- with anger or just yelling is that just the tone of their voice? Both. Like we get it. <laughs> we get it. It sounds、time. exactly like New York. It doesn't sound any different from New York. Like in New York, everybody's pissed off. You know, everybody's just loud. You know, so you can't tell if they're mad at you or if they're just happy or just conversing. It's just usually like a mix of all of those things. It sounds exactly like New York. Genuinely, it doesn't sound any different. You know, we we say Wuhan is the chi-、uh, Chicago of China. Um, oh. Because we used to have a lot of like a、uh, uh, harbor uh, industry、okay. and uh, uh, steel, and、uh, sure. for some reason they they say oh we are the Chicago of China. No, they should change it to New York because、uh, Chicago people. It's Chicago is also very cold, but the problem is Chicago is in the Midwest, and Midwesterners are very emotionally repressed. You know, New Yorkers are not. They will fucking get up in your face and tell you exactly how they feel, and they have no problem telling you that because they don't care about how you feel, you know.、Um, but Chicagoans will care, so that's the difference. I would say Wuhan is more like New York than. Yeah, it's decided. Wuhan is the New York City of China. Very good. You should send this、uh, clip to to Chinese government. They will be so happy to play it、uh, <laughs> on all national TV. Like、uh, Wuhan is now New York. It is I, the way you describe it, and you were saying like it's humid in the summer. It's surrounded by the river. I imagine there's like a shit ton of mosquitoes. Yeah, and and, the, and it's so flat. So the um, so the uh, uh, 
wind from from Russia can come in very rapidly. So sometimes the the temperature can drop like a thirty degrees overnight. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, and Russia's cold too. So okay, so then you're very uh, Wuhan is west. Like it's、China? in the mi- middle, like uh, it's uh, uh, in the mi- cen- center part of China. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, that's cool. That's dope. All right. Um. Yeah. Uh. From what you're describing, it doesn't sound like I need to visit because I already lived in New York for a very long time. <laughs> I. Yeah. I. I. I don't need to um visit them, but sounds cool. I mean, and you know, like, yeah. I mean, you don't have to feel bad about talking trash about your hometown. I talk shit about New York all the time. You know? I don't feel bad. I I feel scared. If you have a Chinese audience and they put it、oh. in Chinese internet, I get millions of people attack me. Chinese internet, or billions? Yeah. Uh, I mean, well, I don't know. I check my platform like engagement, and、uh, China doesn't come up. Like、oh, Philippines、cool. comes up. You know. Like Taiwan comes up, but not China. Korea comes up, but China doesn't come up yet. So, if and when it comes up, I'll warn you and tell you to batten down the hatches and、uh, prepare yourself for some trolls <laughs> to come at hide. you. Hide, yeah,、mm, yeah, hide yourself. Well, I mean, there, there you go. Then you know you could just say nice things about Wuhan. You know, I'm sure there are some nice things. Yeah,、like、we have. Place? Uh, we have really, really tasty food. Uh, I mean, it's not the best、uh, around China, but、uh, <laughs> again, there she goes. It's like it's not the best, you know, relative to other parts of China. It's actually shit. Forget no, it. Don't go with that. It's good. It, like、uh, it's good in its own way. Yeah. For example, we we have、uh, the most、uh, signature dish is、uh, hot dry noodles. So it's、uh, a type of noodle you eat in the morning. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wuhan used to be a harbor city, so there are lots、yeah. of uh, um, uh, ha- um, hard labors.、Uh, when、mm-hmm. they wake up, they need a really, really like a heavy breakfast to energize、mm-hmm. them through the day. So we have、mm-hmm. these hot dry noodles, which is basically uh, noodles um, with uh, uh, soy sauce and、uh, lots of herbs and uh, uh, sesame sauce. So、oh, it's、uh, really yummy. And it's really, really high energy, and、uh, the best、uh, noodle is the driest noodle. So I, I never normally, if you describe something, you would never say, "Oh, it's so dry and so tasty."、Yeah. But for the hot yeah, dry like noodles, yeah, this chicken is so dry. Yeah, let's eat it. No, nobody says that.、Mm. Yeah, but for this noodle, it, the drier the better. Interesting. So okay, when you mean dry, do you mean like you don't even boil it? Like, do you boil it and then dry it, or? Uh, normally we don't eat it at home. Uh, in Wuhan, we are the we, uh people call it the kingdom of breakfast. So people、okay. really really like to eat breakfast. Uh, almost、mm-hmm. no one eat breakfast at home. Uh,、oh. they are like each neighborhood always have like tons of uh, uh breakfast restaurants, and they prepare it in bulk. Yeah. Uh, this noodle is kind of like a, a they already prepared,、uh, pre-boiled it, and then、uh, use sesame oil to、uh, let it cool down. So、okay. when customer come, they have a huge, huge、uh, pot of water, and they、yeah. would、uh, boil this、um, 
uh, noodle in the huge pot for like、mm-hmm. f- maybe five seconds because、okay. the noodle is already cooked,、right. and then they they would、uh, make it very very dry to make sure there's no water in the noodle, and、uh-huh. then they put lots of herbs and sauce on it,、okay. and at the end is the sesame sauce,、uh, uh-huh. and the, the drier the more more condensed the sesame sauce and the、uh, soy sauce on it, so the、mm-hmm. the it's more. Uh, tasty and it's more how to fragrant, flavorful, flavorful. Yes, it sounds like it would be flavorful and fragrant. Yeah, because yeah, as you say, if there's no yeah, it's it's or, really amazing. Yeah, then you just and like, um, in like with the Chinese soy sauces, you have like that extra dark soy sauce, right? That's got, like full of flavor. Yeah, like yeah, I could I could see that happening. Like, what kind of herbs go in there? Like. I would assume cilantro is one thing. I I,、uh, I think、uh, soy sauce uh,、mm. and uh, salt pepper and、uh, they have some like uh,、um, uh, in-house secret uh, maybe some uh, uh, sauce with lots of herbs. They made some kind of juice. Ah, okay. And, and、uh-huh. uh, we have some pickled vegetable on top of it, and uh, also uh, uh, sesame oil and.、Uh, Uh, spring onion,、okay. so it's、uh, it's really really simple, but、uh, also tastes really amazing. The noodle itself is also very、um, uh, texture. The texture is really good. What's the name of this noodle? A、uh, hot dry noodles. Hot dry noodles. Okay. How do you say it? It's noodles. It's the signature dish in Wuhan, and there's only Wuhan. Have it. That makes me want to go to Wuhan. Yeah, just go there, sleep a night, have breakfast, and then leave. Like I would go to Wuhan for that. But but you know, like if you talk about any Chinese city or Chinese town, they always、mm. have a signature dish. <laughs> of course, yeah. I mean, dude, like the Chinese, like are I would say the Chinese are the most advanced when it comes to cuisine. You know, like. They're just so fucking good. That's why the Italians had to steal everything, you know. <laughs> <laughs>、um, but yeah, I saw like this was like maybe I don't know, almost fifteen years ago. So I don't know if it's still true, but like fifteen years ago, they did a survey, like a world survey. It was like what country has the best cuisine, and China came number one. Like it was like everybody's most favorite. Who was the wait? I don't know, but I don't know. I, and I and I read this. I read this in South Korea. I was in Korea at the time when they were doing this. I'm I'm surprised because actually I feel Chinese、uh, food is very underrated in in Europe because like they all know Japanese food, they all know Korean food because like、uh, you the country is not so big, so they have some、uh, really famous dishes, so people can、yeah. easily associate the two. But China、yeah. is too big, so end、mm-hmm. up no one. No one really know what is Chinese food, and all they can think about are those fast food dishes.、Mm-hmm. But、uh, they never know what is real good Chinese food. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, China's huge. Every region is vastly different from one another,、um, and so their food and their 
you know, livestock, their plants, those would also vary drastically. And if the if the animals and the plants vary drastically, then the flavors are going to vary drastically. The culture and the thinking will vary very drastically. So, yeah, to you're right. To even call it Chinese food is absurd in a way because it's so enormous and the regions are so specific. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's like it's like saying European food. It's like, what is that? You know, European food, as in like, you know, French food or German food, because that's very different, right? <laughs> like, do you mean European food, as in Russian food or Italian food? Because that's also very different, you know. So it's a, it's like as absurd as saying that. And you know, there, there are of course regions in Japan and South Korea as well. I think the reason why, um, yeah, you, you're right. Like Japan and South Korea are really tiny. Uh, but yeah, their government also uh, campaigned very heavily in order to export and brand Japanese food products and South Korean food products, and that took years. And um, it was successful to a degree, but I don't know. Maybe like, the way I see China is like they're so like enormous, and you know, this may be controversial, but. I think it's true to an extent.、Um, there's this very famous Japanese scholar here in Southern California, uh, and uh, a Korean studies scholar asked him this question. He asked him, "What do you think, or what do you make of the fact that、uh, Japan found like ancient artifacts that have like Korean on them?" Like they found ancient Korean artifacts in Japanese soil, and then when they found it, they just covered it right back up because they didn't want to admit that they're actually Korean, right?、Um, and then the Japanese scholar was like, "Well, all of Japan is essentially Korea, and all of Korea is essentially China. So, what's yeah?" yeah. Like, Yeah, I I yeah. think、uh, I heard from someone they say like、uh, all the Asian countries、uh, near China, their history is uh, uh, all their own history is about、uh, fighting against China for hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's what I. That's how I think of China. It's like so huge, and its influence and its history and its. Medicines and culture and thinking—all of that is so deep and ancient that they just don't care. It's like we don't really need to do all the propaganda shit that Japan and South Korea is doing. Like we're fine. <laughs> the world will always need us more than we need them. You know,、uh, like even the way that you know. I mean, in Korean we call China Chungu, which is. The center kingdom, right? Yeah, it's the China Chinese also. Yeah, calls themselves the center kingdom, meaning they're the center of the world. You know, like even that mentality is just like we don't need any of you. <laughs> like we got it. We're good. We're fine. Yeah, you know, and、um, yeah, and then the rest of the country is always reacting. Hence. It's called sinophobia here, like in in English. Sino meaning China, phobia meaning fear. So sinophobia, and like that phobia goes back centuries in America. And America is only like what, like 
it's only a few centuries years old it's very very young as a country but like you know the chinese built this country in the 1800s you know like they built the railroads they you know were part of these industries that white people didn't want to do they were the mexicans of the early american industrial period you know so uh yeah that fear and phobia and that propaganda that racism is like very deeply embedded in american society and i think that's why these kinds of violent hate crimes keep happening the difference though is it goes back to how china like how i conceive it they're so laid back and cool that like they don't need to say anything so it's like yeah okay everybody's racist and attacking us but we don't really need to say anything you know it's like similar yeah grace i have a question like mm-hmm. uh, being um, living in America, uh, in the U.S., do mm-hmm. you feel um, when you see Chinese people, do you mm-hmm. con- like subconsciously do you feel oh uh, they are Asian, I'm Asian, I want to be close to them, or you feel oh no 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 we are different, I don't want to be associated with them. Um, it's it's a little complicated for me because I'm Korean American. But I was born in Korea, so I'm also an immigrant. So it's it varies, you know, because you know how like Koreans can be very uh, anti-Chinese. You probably know this, right? Uh, and you know, it's out of insecurity, right? Like uh, Korea has always been insecure <laughs> towards China, like towards China to an extent. Um, so yeah, some of the anti-Chinese sentiment is is in me because I was raised by Koreans. But um, when I'm here as an Asian American, when I see Chinese Americans, I feel solidarity with them, especially at moments of crisis or moments of rupture politically in our landscape. Then I feel a great solidarity and closeness with them. Um, but at the same time, I do acknowledge ethnic difference. So they're Chinese American. I'm Korean American. We still have very, very different experiences in in other aspects, you know, considering our national roots and all those things. Um, so, yeah, it's both. I would say it's both, but I don't feel like like hatred for the Chinese, if that makes sense. Yeah. I I think before I came came to Europe, uh, I never went abroad before. And uh, mm, how to say it in a safe way? Like, you know, Asians, we are all educated in a way that our country is the best and uh, we hate mm-hmm. other Asian countries and uh, we are mm-hmm. more superior than other Asian countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. um, we are each Asian country, they tell their own version. And um, yeah. so f- uh, for me, I always feel a little bit uh, discompactive feeling to other Asians. But then I came to Europe, I realized, oh, we are not that different. We are all Asians. But when we were in Asia, we only see the difference. But once now we come out, I realized we are way more similar than we are different. And uh, then mm-hmm. I, I feel surprisingly now I'm out of that environment. I feel so much closer to other Asian people. 
I think that's definitely true. Once we leave the nation, then those ethnic dif- those ethnic boundaries sort of dissipate. And I think it happens because of the otherization that the Europeans put on us. You know what I mean? So it doesn't just happen like because um because we're Asian, but I think it happens because we have white European the white European gaze looking at us at all times and conflating us, you know, making us seem as if we're all the same. And so it's like, okay, all right, let me go and talk to them that, you know, you know, like I'm sure you've seen, you know, or heard things like, oh, maybe you know her just because she's Asian. It's like, maybe you know so-and-so, you know what I mean? Or like just assuming. Yeah. I I think uh, that's one part, uh, but uh, you yeah. also see people talk, even the other person is American, then when they say, oh, I yeah. have an American friend, maybe you know them. So uh-huh. I think maybe yeah, it's yeah. not a race yeah. thing, it's just people are stupid in their mind. It's a, it's a simplicity thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a categorization thing. I agree. I agree. It happens in both directions. Yeah. But... Uh, one must always keep this in mind. It's like, even though China considers itself the center kingdom, there's this thing called white hegemony, meaning white is the dominant, brute militarized force in the world, the most violent and the one that colonizes the most. And therefore, when a white person is complaining about feeling like, I don't know, I'm rolling my eyes here, but like suppressed when they're in Asia versus an Asian woman saying she feels suppressed when she's in Europe or America. It is so fucking different, you know, like the the difference there is like miles and miles and miles. If you just take into consideration what white hegemony and colonization is versus, I don't know, the the things that Japan did. <laughs> it just, they don't compare, right? So, uh, so that would be the difference, I would say. But yeah, you're right. The, the, those are very similar. And I think it's just like, you know how like babies, they have like toys where they have to take a circle and put it into like a circle hole and a triangle and put in a triangle hole. And it's like babies are learning how to cat- categorize, right? What fits where and create organizations in their minds. And that's what we do as adults, but with people. Oh, you kind of look like Grace. Are you Grace? <laughs> and you're like, no, I'm Moni. It's like, are you sure? Because you look like her. It's like, I look nothing like Grace. Like, we're different heights. We're from different countries. We talk differently. We're nothing alike. No, no, you guys are alike. You're the same person in my head. Like, that's what's happening, you know? And yeah, it's... Mm. I, I'm not too mad about this because, uh, um, as you know, my, my boyfriend is French. Um, there mm. were quite a few times when we traveling with his family, I was holding his father's hand or cuddling his brother because I really mistaken them. And I mean, I I do feel white people look alike, <laughs> oh <my God>. so <laughs> so I I don't think it's a racist thing. It's just you. It's harder to yeah, you yeah. to differentiate. It's, not. it's, it's not. just yeah. Categorization. categorization. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God! You held your boyfriend's father's hand. That yeah. Is... Oh my lord. <laughs> oh my lord. 
Did it feel the same? Did his hand feel the same as your boyfriend? I feel like three minutes. I found out it's not him. Three minutes, and he just let you hold his hand. He didn't feel uncomfortable. He's like, I don't know what's going on. Oh my god! And wait, he, like his dad—he wasn't embarrassed or anything. He was just like, okay, I, th- I guess this is happening. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, I just don't know. You don't know. You guys on. never talked about it. You held your boyfriend's father's hand for three minutes, and neither of you ever talked about it ever again. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> that is fucked up. <laughs> oh my god! Jesus. Okay. Was it his younger brother or his older brother? His younger brother. Oh yeah. And you cuddled his younger brother. Yeah, because I saw it's him. Like they look alike. And then what did you say? What did he say? Did he say I'm not who you think I am? No. Then like after a few seconds, I was like, oh, sorry, wrong guy. (laughs) Because I was like cuddling him. I was like, why are you standing next to me if I'm cuddling you? Then I was like, oh, it's not you. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, at least yeah, at least there was some appropriate reaction there, but like this this thing you did with his dad, that's that like, like a part of your family secret now, you know? Like it's a part of the family secret. Like if you and your boyfriend get married and have kids or whatever, it's like going to be this weird secret. Like you know, your mom held your grandfather's hand for 3 minutes. Yeah, it's not a secret because everybody knows it's an open secret, but you guys never, like, talked about it. You know, you guys just kind of, like, never. That's the fucking hilarious part. You guys never talked about it. And it's like, why why didn't you? You know, it's like, it's weird. It's like, why didn't you? I feel like that's the funny part. I mean, we joked about it, but it's not like I asked him how he feel about it in depth. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, that's, okay. If you guys made jokes about it, then you did talk about it. Because I thought what happened was you held his hand for three minutes, you walked together, <laughs> and then you realized what was happening, and you stopped, Stop. and then he <laughs> stopped, and then you guys just never, never brought it up again. <laughs> I thought that's what happened, and I was like, that is fucking crazy. <laughs> I wish, I wish that's what had happened. That's funnier. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, I will say that version in the future. Yeah, in the future. Yeah, you know what? Maybe do it again. Like hold his hand again for three minutes, and then just like don't talk about it. You know, <laughs> just like never ever bring it up. <laughs> it's fucking funny. Okay, um, tell me about your acid trip. You said you took LSD recently and had a trip. Like, I want to know. Oh, that was amazing. Like, uh, I had this uh, yeah. trouble from work. I couldn't process. So the first two, three months, like, I have a mental breakdown almost every week. Mm. Uh, then mm. I slowly mm. feel better. I read this book mm. uh, called Lost Connections by jo- Johan Harry. Okay. It's a book uh, about uh, depression and anxiety. So okay. one of the chapters, he talked about... Uh, uh, how meditation can help uh, uh, mental health. And uh, then there's a study in Harvard University. They did research on psychedelics. They realized when you are on high dosage of uh, uh, psychedelics, you can reach to a spiritual place. 
And that's the same place when people uh, experience uh, when they have a deep practice of meditation. And I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah that sounds cool. And uh, uh, so I took a bunch of acid <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, did uh, meditation for four hours. Afterwards, mm-hmm. I just wake up feeling like uh, all those ego melting down and the uh, things bothering me all went away. And uh, I, I feel like uh, all those negative voice people talking about me, I suddenly realized they are all voice in my own mind. I projected on, on others. So it was so refreshing. It was amazing, mm-hmm. and, but the second half of the trip, for some reason, I have extreme uh, nauseous, and um, then I was like, I cannot meditate anymore. What can I do? So I decided to watch Frozen, <laughs> and oh, in wow. the middle of the movie, I feel so sick. I had to go to a bathroom, uh, took a diarrhea, and then I flushed mm-hmm. the toilet. Then I mm-hmm. want to puke. I was puking on my bathroom, mm-hmm. and uh, and mm-hmm. in the middle of it, I was like, ah, eh. Then I start to shout uh, mm-hmm. in the in the house. I was like, I'm beautiful. I'm a woman. I like myself. Amazing. A frozen is an amazing <laughs> movie. I'm beautiful. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah. And suddenly I fear. Suddenly I fear. I'm touched by God. Like, uh, but mm-hmm. it's not the Jesus God. It's like uh, the the Creator within me. I the realize original, yeah, yeah, yeah. spiritual yeah. being. Yeah. Yes, because I realize even I'm puking, uh, my my uh, my stomach out, uh, mm-hmm. in my bathroom, uh, feeling mm-hmm. so horrible. But uh, all my mind uh, can feel is extreme happiness from the amazing uh, art, like uh, Frozen. Like I realized mm-hmm. God give, give us the ability to create and this, mm-hmm. this product can make, can make people so happy that it detach them from the physical pain and which is so amazing. And then mm-hmm. I realized the fact I'm, uh, puking on my bathroom, shouting frozen is an amazing movie. It's so funny. And then I realized, oh my God, the God is within me. He gave me the ability to create. And now, even I'm puking, I'm creating something funny for others. Then I realized, oh my God, I'm, I'm a princess. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's amazing. Yeah. So when you were going through, um, first of all, yes, what, what you're saying is true. Um, with uh, psychedelic substances like uh, mushrooms and like LSD, um, a a certain I mean I don't know. This is also debated. Like I don't know if you read people like Terence McKenna or some of these like these are some um, these are like botanists, like plant scientists uh, in America in the '60s. They were studying a lot of these things and. They were part of that hippie movement um, and they were doing a lot of writing. They're all scientists. That's the thing. And uh, they all also said the same thing. Like when you see Tibetan Buddhists or Buddhists in Korea, Buddhists in China, Buddhists in Japan, when they go through these deep states of meditation, then they have these psychedelic hallucinations where they see 
visions, where they experience other human souls, where they experience ancient pastimes that are in our DNA passed down over the generations. Like they could feel and see all of it, right? And uh, yeah, so LSD and mushrooms are a shortcut to reaching those states because you and I, we live in cities. We don't like our daily practice isn't to only meditate. Whereas for Buddhists, like their job is to meditate, right? In order to see how they can end human suffering. Like that's the job of all Buddhists, right? So we don't have all day and night to do that. I mean, I guess right now we do, but normally, and also we live in a city, right? And like, you know, there are all these like things that get in the way if you live in a city. So these substances help us do that, attain so-called nirvana or attain so-called enlightenment, but very temporarily, of course, for those whatever hours that you're tripping. And so let me ask you, when you were um, on this, let's put a medicinal dose, because you said you took a high dosage than you normally do on this so-called party dose. You took a medicinal dose in order to attain this for a breakthrough, a mental psychological breakthrough, because you were in a rut. When you were feeling the ego dissolution, right? Because I'm sure you felt it, the ego disappearing or feeling mass confusion, like all the boundaries have dissolved and you can't tell apart the wall from your fingernail, from the sky, from your memories, from tomorrow. You can't tell these things apart. Like, did something like this happen? Like, what was that particular experience like, if you remember? It feels like uh, um, the wall has uh, um, tore down. Like, uh, it mm. suddenly it become like I I believe that everyone hated me at work for for really? months, and wow. then suddenly I woke up uh, after I did the meditation. I woke up and I told my boyfriend. I said, mm, I realized no one hates me. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's my own projection, and I realized yeah. there's no reason for anyone hate me. Yes, yeah, and how freeing that is. Yeah. You didn't feel like panic at any point when you um, felt these walls falling down or tearing down in your mind? Uh, no, this is not my first acid trip. Actually, acid has uh, helped me on my mental health tremendously. I, If you mm. know, like uh, four years ago, three years ago, I had a big mm. uh, depression. Uh, mm. At that time, I was suicidal. And mm. uh, uh, after... I start to take antidepressant, feeling a little bit better. Then I have a guide. I have a friend who really understands psychedelics. He helped mm. me to did a huge trip. Uh, I took mm -hmm. like a, a four times normal dosage and uh, had a really, really deep trip. I talk mm -hmm. with my own consciousness. Then mm -hmm. I woke up. I feel like uh, it's my first time my eyes has opened yes. and I just become a different person. Yes. I understand. Okay. So during that first trip, you didn't feel like confusion or panic at any point? Well, I guess you had a trip sitter with you. you yeah, I had there. a trip sitter. I just feel like mm -hmm. so love. I feel like um, um, lots of deeper issue. I, I've been able to talk about it. And uh, it's the first time I see so many beauties in life. I, mm -hmm. I feel like I grew up uh, extremely poor and... Mm -hmm. uh, we were so focused on like surviving. I just never had uh, my attention on 
in in beauties in life. Mm-hmm. And then in that life. was yeah, and that was the first time I realized, wow, everything around me, there are so many beautiful things. Yes, and lovable things. Yeah. Did you uh, ever find yourself feeling like self love, where you said confidently, like? Because I remember when you were barfing and watching Frozen, you were like, "Oh, I'm beautiful. I'm a woman." But what about I'm lovable? I I think this uh this took me a long time to learn. I, I think mm. how that was also a learning I had on the acid trip. I think maybe around two years ago. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I also had a deep trip, and uh, I tried meditation that time too. And I was just mm-hmm. listening to some really like healing music, and mm-hmm. I remember afterwards I went to talk with my therapist. I re- I told her it's the first time I feel like uh, the whole universe loves me, and I feel mm-hmm. I'm accepted by by the universe because how I was brought up, um, like you know how Asian parents function, and mm-hmm. uh, they with they daughters. yes, like they beat us down so much. I just never had a chance to know how to appreciate myself. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, uh, acid and comedy, they each other help me a lot because uh, yeah. with uh, comedy, I get so many, like so much confidence. Yes. Uh, then acid helped me to put my ego down. Yeah. That's sort of this very funny dance with comedy and psychedelics is that psychedelics makes your ego dissolve but comedy is about boosting your ego you know uh but if you find the right balance of it then it's like it it works well but sometimes like it it is conflicting for me you know because they are in conflict i think there are two Mm. things one is confidence Mm. is ego one is ego so when Mm. you comedy is a craft when you mm-hmm. your craft is getting better and better, you get confident. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, you also, in one case, you also can just become e- egotish. Like, oh, I'm the best. Why your craft is not getting better? Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I understand. Okay, yeah. Um, the through line that I find with people who uh, meditate deeply, so Buddhists primarily, Buddhists. Um, people who are into psychedelics, okay, and I and I, I don't mean drug addicts, okay. I don't mean people who drink and do crack. I don't drink alcohol anymore. Like I stopped drinking alcohol in December. I don't need it anymore. I'm like, this is like the worst thing for me. I I don't need it. And I was afraid of quitting alcohol. I I I said to myself, I was like Grace, you're gonna stop drinking alcohol at age forty. I'm not 40 yet. And I just stopped drinking. I was like, I don't need it, you know. Uh, But I do smoke weed. And I do very occasionally, like maybe twice a year, you know, twice a year, three tops, three times maximum, I'll do a psychedelic trip for medicinal purposes, for my spiritual purpose and for my emotional and mental health and physical health. Because usually after I do them, I become more like health conscious you know like about food and trying not to eat meat and things like that the through line that i see with buddhists psychedelic people and artists and people who do academia scholars um yeah they all 
they all say the same thing. It's like you have a choice always. And there's no greater way to express your choice than art. Because every time you put a brush on a canvas, that's a choice you make. Um, every time we do a set on stage, those are our very deliberate choices that we're exercising and living an experience and getting a reaction. And, um, you know, with Buddhists too, like a lot of them draw, right? A lot of them pursue art in some way, you know, but they're like a little bit more advanced than we are because they're Buddhists, right? So it's like they make art and then they make it disappear, <laughs> right? They destroy it because that is also a sign of, again, destroying your ego. You build the art and you destroy it, you know, because it's not about you. It's not about selling this. It's about the process of making. That is the meditation, right? So that's the through line. And, and the reason why I say academics is because, you know, you have like feminist scholars or racial, like uh, critical race studies scholars. You know, those are the people that I usually read. And, um, you know, one way to like protest and be politically resistant is, yeah, going on the streets and marching or saying Black Lives Matter or saying stop Asian hate. Those are one ways, speaking and showing up. But another way that really counts, and Grace Lee Boggs says this and Bell Hooks say, says this, they both say this, uh, art is also political resistance, massively so. And in that way, I really believe in art, you know? And I really believe in, like, as you say, the way the woke people is like it's not woke as in you are racially conscious or you are you know gender and sexual sexuality politics conscious that's not what it means woke is you've awakened from all of the things that w were blinding you with your ego with your fears and your as you say your projections which are fear-based and these things that are blinding you that they're never there. They're all constructs. They're all made up by your wound, wounded mind, your wounded soul. And what these kinds of trips do or deep meditation, what they do is they dissolve your ego so that you see everything for what they are. Like you see the truth for what it is. And then you don't judge it. You only love it. And then that creates this beautiful processing for your mind and for your soul. So yeah. I think art uh, art uh, being creative itself is really really healing. Mm. I I I think I don't know about you but in China like uh, many people family would put their children to learn some art like uh, painting, drawing, uh, mm -hmm. instruments but uh, it's always about the skills not about the creative part. Mm. Uh, why actually the creative part is the most liberating part. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the soul of art. The creative part is the soul of art because that's where that's where we get the healing from. Yeah. Um, like when I paint and I'm sure you, you I know you paint, so I'm sure you feel the same way when I'm painting something, I'm processing something in my mind. Sometimes it's good stuff, you know, I'm just kind of thinking thoughts, but other times it's something really horrible and negative, you know, like, like projections, you know, like feeling like 
a loser in high school, you know, feeling like a loser, feeling like a failure, you know, like, and I'm processing those as I'm painting. But once the painting's done, those thoughts are also done. I, I processed it. It's done. It's not a part of me anymore. And so now I can move on to the next thing. You know, it helps us carry forward in life. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you this. Do you believe in uh, reincarnation? Uh, I don't. Really? Mm-mm. Why not? Why not? No. I, um, I was raised up an uh, atheist way. Atheist? And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, and... Uh, I never believed in um, anything spiritual. Since I'm touched by God, now I believe in uh, in God, but uh, yeah. not a reincarnation. Well, why do you believe it? Well, I believe it because, I don't know. I don't feel like there's... And I don't, I, I don't believe in reincarnation as in I will have my same exact consciousness when I am reborn. That's not, that's not how I believe in reincarnation. I believe in reincarnation as in like, you know, my DNA will always be carried on in some way, in some other form into the future. That's, that's how I believe, you know? It's like, you know, like when you bury somebody and then that person becomes dirt and fungus and then grass and then... An animal eats it and blah, blah, blah. Kind of like a Lion King kind of way, circle of life kind of way. That's how I believe in reincarnation. I think I don't believe it also because I don't want to believe it. I think uh, uh, this life, this life I have, like I have been Mm -hmm. through too much and uh, it was really, really painful. Like when it ends, I really want it to end. Yeah. Interesting. You still feel this way? Um, I think now I have quite a good life, uh, yeah. but uh, we are what, uh, um, how do you say, we all have past and I don't think I can detach from my past and uh, it's a, a constant source of pain and I don't, I think uh, for the rest of my life I need to process it and uh, uh, I don't complain, I think my life is quite good now, but uh, I really mm-hmm. hope. When it ends, I just want it to end. I don't want to have uh, anything afterwards. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I totally get it. I I also have past baggage. Of course, like right after these highs, when we come out of it, we're like, yeah, I feel like I can call my parents right now, you know? But it's like um, once the dust settles, you realize like, no, um, I'm not going to do that. And I have my reasons, right? But I don't know. I went through um, a very intense mushroom trip three weeks ago. And um, this was different from any other trip I've had. And I've done LSD and mushrooms in the past. This was very, very, very different. As in, I felt lost. I felt like I was, you know, have you seen like movies like, I don't know, like Interstellar and like, the Sandra Bullock movie when she gets lost out in space felt like that felt like um, I was out in space and somebody cut the cord and I'm like drifting off well where do, in a way, you, it's, way it's I was up in the mountains here in Southern California in Big Bear were you, my friend were, you were you with anyone yeah my, I, I had a friend with me um, but she was going through her own trip in the other room so when I was starting to feel like afraid like panic I called my shaman and he 
talked me through it and that was very very generous of him he talked to me for two hours but um yeah it was initially very scary because i didn't understand what was happening you know and he kept saying to me this can be a very liberating space you don't have to identify anything because what was happening was i i forgot what everything was i felt like an infant you know I was looking at things and I didn't understand what they were. Like a pillow. I was looking at a pillow and I was like, why is this thing echoing? It was like echoing colors, you know? And I was like, what is this? I don't know what this is, you know? Why can't I identify? I I used to know what this was. I forgot my name. I forgot my identity. I forgot all the education that I acquired. Everything was gone. Just zip. Ground zero. I couldn't even speak. I was barely able to express language this was like another level and uh he kept saying to me you have a choice and then i was like why is he saying that and i said you're right i have a choice not to feel like a victim to my family members like because that was the thing that was driving me insane and i would cry all the time in therapy and be like why can't i figure this out why can't I forgive my parents? You know, why can't I forgive my family members? I know I have to forgive them. I feel this horrible pressure that I have to, right? Like we're, we were raised on in a Confucian culture. We feel like we have to be filial, but what if we can't forgive them? You know, we want to do it. We can't. And I always thought it was one door. I either forgive or I don't. It's like one door, right? But after this, it wasn't one door. It was 50 doors. And they were not even doors. They were all different things. You know, I had more options. And that's what he meant by choice. We have a choice in recreating our past in our present moment mind. You know, we have a choice not to go down the dark path and revisit those same, you know, same walked paths over and over again making those grooves deeper and deeper we can try a different path here and see how this from this angle what do they look like you know so um that's what he kept saying and you know it's only been three weeks since that so i'm still rebuilding you know i'm still coming out but that was extremely useful you know and he asked me he's like what was your intention coming into this and I was like, my intention is I want to know what love is. Like, I want to redefine the definition of what love meant to me up until this point in my life. And um, my lesson was, whenever there is arrogance, there is no love. There's no possibility of love. Um, you know, like confidence is one thing, but confidence can very easily tip into arrogance at any point. And what is arrogance? What is sense of superiority? All it is is an expression of inferiority, of insecurity. That's all that is. So if you, let's say you want to be bold. If you add love there, then it's no longer arrogance. It's no longer arrogance. So that was so healing for me because I had a hard time accepting myself and loving myself for being a strong Asian woman, you know, like what you were doing, what you were, when you were barfing and screaming, I'm beautiful, I'm a woman, is like, for me, it was like, I had a hard time just accepting the fact that I am very masculine, you know, like I like to exert and show that I'm powerful, that I'm strong. 
and uh but i'm a woman you know and like the way people react to me is like whatever so um i had a hard time accepting me for who i am but now i can say like i love the way i am when if somebody's acting like whatever and i say something and they're like wow you're a bitch i'm like maybe you're saying i'm a bitch maybe you think i'm being mean but the fact is i don't i'm not i'm not concerned about being a certain way to you i'm concerned about protecting myself that's my top priority that's all i am ever doing ever all the time i'm only protecting myself your feelings are your feelings and they're not about me and like um that was a huge realization so that's why i kept asking i was like did you feel like you know afraid or lost or confused at any point because for me it was like it was very difficult yeah grace uh, i think uh, it's nice uh, your shaman has picked up your phone i think uh, uh in the future mm. it's always uh, beneficial like uh, prepare mm. some music uh, uh next oh, to girl. you I had music going. Do you know how the the music that was happening? It felt so confusing to me because you know how usually when there's music, you feel something like you feel. I love this song, or like I want to dance to this. I was in a point of high where like those sounds were unrecognizable. Like the tunes were not recognizable. Usually, like when I'm high and there's good music, like I can groove to it. I could see like beautiful things, and it's awesome, you know. This was something else, man. This was another level. Like I, I had never reached this point before, but like, it was like, yeah, it was something else. So yeah, music. It was a huge distraction. If anything, I was just like, I'm so confused by all this music right now. You also、I、can prepare some like、uh, meditation tracks. Like、uh, if if、That's、no one can、idea. pick your phone, like、uh, yeah. play the meditation and the breathe. Yeah, yeah, yeah.、Uh, yes. Breathing is so important. I forgot to breathe at one point, because like the thing is, like I've only read about ego death. I only read about it, you know. I only heard about it, and I thought I had, I had gone through it. I genuinely thought because I took LSD, took mushrooms. I thought I was a big girl, you know. I was like, I'm a big girl. I could fucking take this. And the mushroom was like, Oh, you think you're a big girl, huh? Let me show you what this is about. It fucking brought me to my goddamn knees. I was like, I am nothing. I am nothing. I'm zero. I'm zero, and I I respect you know everybody and everything way more than I ever did. You know what I mean? Like I have no right to act like I know everything. I don't know shit. You know, like it was like, oh, you think you you think you know so much, huh? You think you're so you, you're so educated. You're so well traveled. You think you're somebody? Let me take away all your memories right now. That's what was happening, and that's God. You know, that's why they say God is powerful. You know, all these like spiritual people. That's why they say God is powerful because God brings you to your knees. It takes away everything. It's like, what's the lesson here? Let me take away everything. What are you now? And I was like, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And everything is nothing. Everything is meaningless. Everything's constructed and made up. Okay, so what does that tell you? Oh, it tells me that my pain, my sense of victimhood. My sense of insecurity. None of that has any meaning. None of that shit matters. It's all gone. Okay, so what choices do you have? I will paint something later. <laughs> like, like as soon as I'm 
able to move my hands again, I'm going to go back and color in my notebook, you know? So, um, yeah, it was like a powerful experience for me. Definitely a spiritual dose. Yeah, this wasn't fucking around like, whoa. There's a book uh, called uh, How to Change Your Mind uh, by Michael Pollan. Have you heard about it? No, I haven't. No, I haven't. It's, it's Pollan? Yeah, it's a really, really okay. a good book. Uh, it's a journalist uh, did uh, his uh, research and interview uh, lots of uh, psychedelic experts, researchers, um, yeah. scientists, and uh, uh, mushroom uh, gurus and uh, uh, yeah. you from this book you can learn lots of history about psychedelics uh, it, it's really yeah. fascinating yeah, yeah. I, I I think the the uh, the story you share with me uh, is very sim uh, very similar to a breakthrough I had so on the same mm. uh, acid trip I just talked about um, mm. I had a similar experience like I I had a I have a very complicated uh, relationship with my mom there's lots mm-hmm. of hate and lots of love uh, all mm-hmm. uh, combined together like uh, yes. how uh, how much she sacrificed for me how much she support me how much she uh, uh, invested in me to make me yeah. uh, uh, have the ability to change m- my life, to have a good yes. life in Europe. But the other way, mm-hmm. how she beat me down all the time, she insult me, time, she, yeah. she, she make me always think about the worst side of myself. All this right, kind of right. thing is really love and hate relationship. Yes. And uh, yes. then it's something I couldn't uh, process for so long. Then mm. during, after the uh, acid trip, I was looking at my dog and it's, mm. it's, it's a, a straight dog I adopted from Macedonia. And the first day he came home, uh, we went on a hike and, uh, before we realized he ate my boyfriend's poops. So it's, <laughs> it's a dog. He, he, he had such a bad life. He had to eat human poops to survive. And, yeah. uh, when he was found, he didn't, uh, this, his mother wasn't around. There's only his brother. So like he mm. had a really a harsh life, but now mm. he lives in my apartment, fancy apartment. Now, if I feed him the same dog food for a week, he would protest and he would uh. destroy my house. And then <laughs> I look at him. I was like, Oh my God, you are a princess. And I, I, I was like, oh my God, you, he must believe everything is great. And then he believed it and it happened. And then now he, he is really my princess. Then I realized, oh my God, I can make him a princess that make me a queen. And, and uh, I realized I can give him, uh, the, the parents, the childhood he couldn't have. I have the power. Then I realized, I have the power to give him a childhood. I also have the power to give myself a childhood. Instead yes. of bitching about how my mom uh, didn't do her job, uh, I mean, this something already happened. This is, I, I also read a book called uh, The uh, Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mm-hmm. And in this book, he talked about we need to differentiate uh, thought and the respons- responsibility. Like the fact that my mom didn't take good care of me, didn't give me confidence, it's her fault. 
But who I am, how I feel now is my responsibility. I can complain about her all the time, but the responsibility is on me to feel happy. Yes. Yeah, so、exactly. I, at that moment, I decided to forgive my mom and uh,、yeah. uh, be my own parent and take care of myself. And、uh, beyond that, I even at that moment I even realized that the, why my mom was a horrible mom is because her parents were horrible parents,、mm-hmm. and、uh, the fact that she couldn't give me a good childhood is because she didn't have a childhood. So、mm-hmm. I realized now I have money, I have a、uh, uh, financial means. I not only can reparent myself, I can also give my mom another childhood. To fulfill、mm. the dreams, the things she couldn't do when she was was a young girl, and、uh, mm. how powerful is is this? That is so powerful. That is so wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. I think to say、uh, you have the opportunity to give your mother a childhood is like particularly beautiful because、uh, the only way to heal from our own pain is to do the exact opposite of what people did to us to cause us pain, right? Like, let's say you know people were not generous towards us. You know, we had a need. There was a need for us to feel safe and a need for us to feel loved, and those were not options. They were not given to us as children, and we resent the people who did not give them to us when they were supposed to. And it's like, okay, are we going to stay stuck there, right? Because I was, I was stuck there. I'm to an extent still stuck there, but as you say, and I think that's very powerful. The responsibility is is on the self. To find the healing and to find the answer to this, in order to,、um, yeah, like what's the next part, right? That's really, really powerful. I appreciate that because I also ask this to a lot of people who who are like feminists. You know, I'm like, I see limitations to the Me Too movement because I think it's important to wake up. You know, to say we're here and we're not going to be silent anymore. That's powerful. Okay, but. Everybody is angry, and in pain. There's a lot of pain here. What do we do with that? And they don't have an answer. They just have more anger. And I'm like, that's not answering my question. And I didn't know the answer. I still don't know the answer to the big one. You know, to the big, how do we heal all of this? But I do know the answer for myself, right? Even though I'm a survivor of sexual abuse, I know that I am not a victim to that. I'm not gonna let it fuck up my day every single day. I'm not gonna let it prevent me from having love in my life, in the romantic sense, you know. So,、um, yeah, like, am I gonna also let these ghosts, essentially, they're ghosts from our childhood? Am I gonna let them haunt my my dreams and my life every single moment? That being a choice, no, I'm not. Right. And then, if you express generosity to the people who hurt you. There's no greater cure and self healing, and that's so hard. That step is so so hard, you know.、Mm-hmm. I I think uh, uh, for women suffering, it's not only like oh the CEO is man. I think、uh, the rooted the rooted cause is how those mindset uh they impose on on women, especially when they are tiny tiny girl. I my grandpa <coughs> my granddad. Uh, he he only talked with me twice. I can remember. 
And、wow. uh, we every time when we are in the same place, he would talk with his male、uh, grandchildren,、uh, yeah. not talk with me. And、yeah. uh, I remember he told me he said, "Moni, you are so loud. You would never find a, a husband." <laughs> I was five. I was five years old. Five, five years, years old. And it's like I was five. Then he told me this sentence make me believe my whole purpose in life is to find a husband. And he smashed that dream at the next sentence. It's like,、yeah. like, what do you want me <laughs> yeah, to yeah. do? I'm five.、Yeah, did it at the same time. It's actually amazing that he gave you this dream and then smashed it at the same time. It's like handing a child a chocolate cake and then smashing it in front of the kid. And then throwing it on the ground, and then spitting in the kid's face, and then walking away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. It's actually quite. I'm in awe. That's remarkable. <laughs> I'm impressed. Yeah, a a a little girl, girl, uh, raised by this. How can you expect her to have dreams? You won't want to be a CEO, or self-respect. You know. How do you expect a young girl or a young woman to have any self-respect if you raise them like that? They're not going to have it, you know. They're not. It's not going to happen. All of it is connected, you know. All of it is connected. It's connected to the way、uh, our families raise us, the way that they've been raised by their families. It's connected to white soldiers coming to countries like Asian countries and. Philandering, you know, frat, you know, f- uh, being, being,、um, how do I say? They're purchasing women's bodies, you know, condescendingly, you know,、uh, raping women's bodies. Like all of it is connected. None of it is, uh, yeah, distinct, distinct from one another. They're all connected. So, in that sense. Uh, we have a bigger responsibility in that sense because we know that all of our actions have consequences in some way. Yeah.、Um, let me、uh, ask you some、um, flashcard questions because the show that I'm talking about on this episode is called Personal Taste. It's about a young woman who her father gave her this beautiful house. It's like a traditional Korean style house called a hanok. And、uh, she lives in it, but she runs out of like something happens. She gets scammed and loses all of her money. And she has to rent it out. She has to rent out a room, and a man moves in because he is an architect and he wants to look at the house. But she she assumes that he's gay. He did something. She thought he was gay, and she keeps thinking that he's gay. So that's the premise of the show. Okay. So let me ask you some some flashcard questions. Let's say. You're a woman named Kain, and you're a freelance furniture designer, and you have a rich boyfriend named Changyeol. But you find out that he's getting married to your friend and roommate Inhee. All right, what do you do?、Mm, I don't know what I do. I know what I want to do. I want to kill them both, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I will do this. And uh, uh. I think this is such typical Asian like a、uh, um, soap opera plot that your yeah, your yeah. your boyfriend fall in love with your、uh, your, your best friend, friend.、Uh, mm. and in China we say like there's no、uh, female friendship because they will always try to 
take your uh, your boyfriend. So I think yeah. this is um, really shit. And uh, <laughs> uh, I will try to imagine to kill them both, but uh, okay. in re- but I won't do it. And uh, probably I will just quit my job, move to another country, and forget everything happened, and uh, never have an Asian female friend again. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, so let's say uh, you're you're still the same lady. You're Kain. Okay, you find out that another friend of yours took out a loan from loan sharks. You know those gangster people who like give out loans, but then they have a high interest rate and they'll come and kill you if you don't pay it back. Okay, took out a loan from a loan shark, but he put your house up for sale as collateral. Okay. Now all these gangsters are coming after your house that your own father built for you. What do you do? Who put the the took the loan? A friend of yours. Why? Why this this girl? Should be friends. Yeah, like uh, no self respect. No, what I do? I don't know what I do. Probably like uh, yeah, uh, like a. Staying alive is more important. Just give them the house and leave the country. I don't know. Like, don't make friends ever. Like, I have horrible taste in friends. Stop making friends. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't expect anything else from a, a an Asian who grew up, an Asian woman who grew up with a shitty Asian family. You know, they, they don't know how to make good friends. They only make evil ones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, this show is very is very uh relevant to the things we were talking about because Kayin, she doesn't have any self-respect. She doesn't have any self-love, no sense of self-care at all. But this guy that she thinks is gay that moves in with her, he teaches her how to be self self-respecting and self-loving blah blah blah. Okay. All right. So let's say you're an architect, okay? You're a male architect. Your name is Jinho. There's this special traditional Korean house, a Hanok built by a very famous architect. And you want to learn more about this house. So you move into this house because they were renting out a room. And the woman who lives there, Kain, she thinks you're gay. Even when you tell her that you're not gay, she doesn't believe you. She believes that you're gay. What do you do? Um, we uh, start to watch um female male porn at home <laughs> okay perfect answer okay great all right awesome okay so you're chinho again the same architect guy gain assumes you're gay so you play along with it all right but a very rich uh, investor named tobin he has financial capital and support he overhears your conversation and now he thinks you're also gay. And one day this man comes up to you and he confesses his love for you. What do you do? Uh, I think um, in China we have a saying say that uh, all straight guys are just guys who haven't met the right guy. So I think <laughs> probably I just go with it to see if uh, I, I like it. Okay, awesome. All right, cool. Uh, let's say that you're the girl again, Kayin, okay? And you find yourself having feelings, romantic feelings for your gay roommate. 
one day your gay roommate Jinho he comes home drunk and then he kisses you oh my goodness what do you do uh kiss him back <laughs> because uh, uh gender and the sexual orientation is fluid maybe he's bisexual yes yes okay awesome awesome all right all right okay so let's say you're tobin again the rich gay man you're the rich gay man you find out the man you had a crush on is actually straight so he lied to you all right and he has feelings for a woman you know you realize that he fooled you into thinking that he was gay too what do you do um I would uh, say, okay, you are gay, I'm gay, let's go to Berkheim and uh, uh, go to the dark room. If he can pretend to enjoy the dark room, I think uh, he had his punishment. Oh, okay, 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 okay. By the way, Berkheim is a uh, is, um, uh, techno club uh, famous for their dark room, where it's mostly... <laughs> Uh, people, uh, guys, uh, having all types of sex in it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, if they go there, they see lots of different uh, uh, male male sex. Uh, yeah. So okay. it will probably will be very uncomfortable for a straight guy. So <laughs> that's his punishment. Yeah, it's like, it's like, right. Yeah. So like you said you're gay. So let's let's take you in. Yeah. See how you like burgers. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Great. All right, final question. Let's say you're Kane again. You're the young woman. You don't have a mother because she died when you were young. Okay, but one day a repressed memory comes back. You remember how your mom died. Okay, the house you live in, the one that your father built, it used to have this big glass ceiling, and you could play on the ceiling and. Downstairs, you could see the the below. So underneath the glass ceiling, you could see the 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 room underneath, and that's where your mom used to make furniture, and that's where she that was her studio space. But when you were a, a child, you were banging on the glass, and then it accidentally shattered the glass, and it killed your own mother. Now you know how your mom died. What do you do? Fuck. <laughs> Uh, probably, probably first smoke some weed to calm down, <laughs> and uh, look online, find some therapist, and uh, uh, do some psychedelics, uh, and uh, write diary every day, and uh, just try to process everything. Awesome! That is the healthiest response ever. Like. <laughs> Every single Korean drama should have that ending, you know, because instead what they do is like she marries the guy and that's the resolution. It's like that doesn't solve anything. <laughs> what you just said, that solves everything. <laughs> All right, sweet. Okay. Well, this was great. It was so lovely talking to you, Moni. Thank you for doing this. Talk again Thank you soon. for inviting. It's uh, really nice. Sorry, my dog is like uh, making noises. No, your dogs are so cute. Next week, I'm going to talk about the show Live, which is a Korean drama that is available on Netflix if you are in the United States. It stars uh, Yi Kwang-soo, <laughs> who is a beloved actor, uh, especially in China. 
I don't know why. Um, Koreans are, I mean, they, they like him okay, but they're not like obsessed with him like China is. China's obsessed with Yi Gongsu. Yi Gongsu is the tall guy that you see in Running Man, and he's in a bunch of Korean dramas. So, live will be the focus of our talk next week. And you guys, if you haven't already, please follow me on all the socials, right? At K Drama School on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram. Thank you for the new subscribers. Uh, please subscribe on YouTube if you haven't. And folks, I'm going to put this call out again because I didn't get a lot of emails. But if you're listening and if you're a man, please email me and uh, just just let me know that you're interested in, in my research project. It's literally going to just be an interview. Um, it, it's not going to be aired on my podcast. It's going to be for a research paper. If you want to remain anonymous, you may remain anonymous. It's literally just me asking questions about you and your relationship to Korean dramas. It's as simple as that. And it's for research purposes. It's for my journal articles and whatnot. And I think it should be a fun and productive one. So please email me uh, at kdramaschool at gmail.com if you're interested in taking part. But that's it, you guys. I will see you all next week. Thank you for listening.